Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands before the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. The only one who is worthy of receiving all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Father, we lift the whole of our heart to you. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing from you, Lord. All of our inmost parts. We lift to you in praise. The deepest parts of our hearts belong to you, dear Lord. Receive the glory. Receive the honor. Receive our love. Receive our adoration. We do love you. We exalt you. There is no one before you, no one above you. There is no other that we would worship. But the Lord our God, Jehovah, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Holy One of Israel, we magnify you, we glorify you. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of all of our praise. Father, please open our ears tonight that we may hear from your Holy Spirit. Please open our hearts to receive and comprehend and believe the Word of God. And Father, may tonight mark a change in our lives. And there will be no going back. There will be no withdrawing from the places in the realm of the Spirit that you take us. Father, we receive strength tonight. We receive holy strength from you. Strength to hear. Strength to believe. And strength to love you more and more. And every believer who agrees with this prayer says, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a shout of praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as we say in Texas, hug somebody's neck close to you and say, It's so good to see you tonight. I believe everyone is blessed this evening, and you're, we're already in the anointing. Can you tell that? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Pastor Justin asked me to minister tonight on high praise, and he said the word hallelujah had been, you know, prominent in his thinking, and so... I had no idea when he asked me how, you know, how you enter in determines the outcome. And so I, I could teach, of course, 
all my notes are in Kenya, <laughs> so I didn't have all that to refer to, but uh, I, this, this is a huge topic. He, he asked me to teach on high praise. That's a huge topic, and actually that's a course, or maybe two courses, <laughs> and so... Uh, we're, we're going to get our toes wet tonight. Hallelujah. And we'll do some refining and some teaching. But the way the Lord impressed my heart to enter into this was to ask you, how many of you have been hearing about the Asbury Revival? <laughs> Glory to God. I've been following it very closely. I don't know how much time I've spent watching clips, um, viewing the live stream, listening to interviews of people who've been to the revival, uh, also interviews of those waiting for hours to get in, and praise would break out on the streets of, of uh, I think it's, is it Milltown? Mil Wilmore. Wilmore, Kentucky. And so <clears throat> I've heard many testimonies and interviews. And I, I, I want to make a point here as I pondered on that. Do you know Asbury just has 1,600 students? It's a very small school. Wilmore has a pop where Asbury is, has a population of 3,618. I heard one of the students testify, and she said, we just have one street, Wilmore. And it's called Main Street. But we call it Downtown. I laughed when she said that. And so Wilmore is a very small place. They have absolutely been overwhelmed by thousands and thousands of people coming into that tiny town from all 50 states have been there. Many nations have taken planes and flown in made their way to Wilmore, been in lines for hours. Church, there are no restaurants. They have a subway. <laughs> there, there, there aren't hotels and motels and filling stations. And, you know, we call them loos in Kenya, but, you know, places to go to the restroom and service people. I, I'm telling you, their infrastructure has been absolutely overwhelmed. It has been amazing. One day, I, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. It's been a few days ago. They estimated in that tiny one-street town, 25,000 people had come in that one day. They were so overwhelmed. that And, and the line of traffic trying to get in was two and a half miles long. They have just been overwhelmed. What does that tell me? 
people are hungry for God. I want to ask you, are you hungry for God tonight? Hallelujah. It just makes my heart burn and yearn for the presence of God. In, in a, not that we don't have the presence of God, but now a revival, an outpouring of the Spirit, an awakening. This is a different level of the presence of God where he comes for very special times of meeting with his people. So I've watched them on freezing days on the, you know, some people, many people have been doing uh, clips and all of that that they put online, freezing temperatures, snow gently falling, but the people were cheerfully standing outside, praising God together, praying and and i i just think this is so precious i was raised methodist asbury was founded uh, or named after a methodist circuit riding preacher when the methodists really carried the gospel to, so to see the but i was not saved as a methodist and so you know there's I've looked at this and thought, Lord, your ways are so amazing. Church, this didn't start in a big church. This didn't start with uh, a ministry that's like well-known nationally and internationally. Um, This didn't start... I don't know if you how many clips you've watched. They don't have a good sound system. Now I know what it's like to have a good sound system. Four years in Kenya, we did not have a good sound system. We never knew what sounds were going to come out of our sound system. And to add to it, no one knew how to operate a sound system. I mean, I would just be before God, Lord, help us. I finally got to the point. It was just, Lord, help us. And I'll never forget the day. We had been through one person after another who really was not, how can I say this, skilled on instruments. But the main thing, you can be semi-skilled. And we can sing over you. You know, if you'll help us keep the beat. We can can sing over you. Yeah. But I, for years, had cried out, Lord, give us someone, even just one instrumentalist, who can flow in the Spirit. Because you're not going to have outpouring without flow. And so when you stop, start, stop, start, I'll never forget the day. I didn't know if I was going to tell this tonight or not, but I'll tell it. It was a, it was a very impactful and holy moment. We were in a tent on land that we were leasing. 
And we had had a so-so praise and worship, you know, kind of stop, start. And we, you don't go very high, but everyone I'm sure was trying their best. All of a sudden, I will never forget this. Our keyboardist leaned in. I, I just happened to have my eyes on her when this happened. She leaned in and began to flow in the Spirit. And she played very well. And we were moving along. And all of a sudden, I saw smoke outside the tent. And it frequently, we've had to go out and ask people to put out their fires because the smoke makes you choke. And it was right on an opening of our tent. And I told one of the ushers, go tell someone to put out their fire. They can start it again when church is over. But that puff of smoke, that's all I know how to describe it. It was like a smoke from a fire came into the tent. And on my left-hand side, I'm on the platform. It went all the way up to the top of the tent, a tall ceiling like this. And it, they, these were angels, and they were dressed as Roman, like Roman. They had on headgear. They had on armor. And they, their legs kind of disappeared, but they were armored up. I mean, I was just staring at that, so stunned. I, I said, Lord, what, what's happening? What are you doing? And clear as a bell, I heard him say, we're here to inspect the troops. And I watched from the top of the tent that began unfolding. I don't know how to say it. It kind of rolled down the, the shape of the angels and they began rolling across the congregation. And as they rolled across the congregation, hands shot up. We spent hours in the presence of the Lord, praising the Lord. And I'm not saying I'm the only one that desired the presence of God and a move of the Spirit. But if you don't have the desire, if you are satisfied with just going to church and just having a, a church service, and if you're satisfied with an hour or so of worship a week, and yes, you love God, but you're not hungry for God, and you're not yearning for more, and if you're not yearning to experience all God wants to pour out, I'm telling you, you won't have it. I learned so much from that. And do you know it was up hours later in the afternoon when we finally left the tent? And I was forever changed with that. I was forever changed. When you experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it changes your heart radically. 
And we walked out and we didn't even feel like our feet were touching the earth. It was the strangest feeling. It took hours for that presence to wane. And so that our bodies felt normal again. It, it was a, and I, I hadn't thought of that in a good while, but as I pondered this, how to open this up this evening, what are the desires of your heart? We can be very good Christians and never even experience this, that they're experiencing at Asbury even one time. And I'm going to tell you, they don't have a good sound system. That's how I got started on that. I remembered we did not have a good sound system. And and no one knew how to fix the sound. We tried person after person. Anyway, uh, I, they don't even have very good microphones at Asbury. They don't have uh, uh, a bunch of instruments. Sometimes it's only a pianist and a guitarist. That's what I've seen mostly. Sometimes they've been there singing and worshiping a cappella because there are no instruments there, no instrumentalists there. Sometimes they have a choir. Sometimes they have one person. Sometimes they have two. See, it's not that. It's the desire of the heart. What do we desire? And I, one scripture I want to begin with is 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That is such an important principle. And for us to to always carry that knowledge with us, that the Lord looks on the heart. And I believe this scripture, the Lord looks on the heart, is going to reflect this revival. That the Lord is looking on our hearts and he's asking, what do you want me to do for you? What are you desiring? What price are you willing to pay to have the deeper things of God? So I think many, if if they had planned this revival, they would not have started it at Asbury in Milltown, Kentucky, hallelujah, and uh, it didn't even start in a charismatic church. Are you with me? There was one point a person was manifesting, and I think the EMT services were called to come and deal with her, but some charismatic, spirit-filled people knew what to do, and they cast the devil out of her, and she was fine. So all denominations are involved. If you're a denomination or whatever persuasion, it's the desire of the heart. 
the Lord. It's Methodist, it's Baptist, it's Pentecostal, it's Nazarene, it's Lutheran and Catholic and all persuasions are being represented and they're coming together in unity. We want the presence of God. We want a revival. We want to experience what God is doing. So on the day the revival broke out, one of the deans of of the college had preached a, a message on becoming love in action. And he ended his message by saying, praying, Lord, revive us by your love. Revive us by your love. You know, that's a good prayer to pray. Revive us by your love. So, chapel was over. It ended, uh, started 11. I think it ended at 12. Some of them went to lunch, but some of them stayed. And one young man, they, the students were talking, and one young man said, I, I have something I want to tell you. Sometime ago, I tried to take my life. He confessed that to them. And he said, I'm so grateful to God tonight. He didn't let me die. And one girl, the girl who I heard give this testimony, she was present when he said that. And this girl said, the atmosphere changed when he confessed his sin. The musicians came back from lunch and because students were still there and and they were they were worshiping and praying they took up their instruments and began to play again and the rest is history day and night night and day day and night night and day they've been singing and praising and confessing their sins and rejoicing in the Lord. There hasn't been preaching, or if there has, I haven't seen it. There, there hasn't been uh, what what one might, for instance, in the Brownsville, Brownsville revival several years ago. It went for six years. They had top-notch instrumentalists. They had Steve Hill preaching every night, and he's is with the Lord now, but he was a great preacher. Steve Hill ministering every night, and do you know almost five million people were saved in that revival? Revivals don't necessarily look alike. This revival has had a very humble beginning, and it began with humility and confession of sin. And the Holy Spirit began to be poured out. Hallelujah. And so, uh, a few days later, actually saw this same young lady that, that was in the previous clip. She's the president of the student body. She was interviewed by a nationally known newscaster. And he asked her, Why do you think this revival is happening? And I want to read you her response. There's a young army of believers who are rising to claim Christianity, the faith, as their own. 
as a young generation and as a free generation. And that's why people cannot get enough. Hallelujah. Us older ones can be involved in it, but church, I've had such yearnings for this young generation that has been fed a lot of different things that are full of lies. Are you with me, church? And they've been fed a bunch of things (laughs) that are just too numerous to mention. And then the name of Jesus is forbidden to be spoken at their schools. And the, the effort of the enemy to cause America to turn from being a Christian nation to a heathen nation. I've just watched in horror. And yet this revival is beginning with the youth of America. Can you give the Lord praise tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm just thrilled that this young generation who's been subjected to so much, they've been subjected to broken homes and all kinds of lies and deceptions and and many things that at when I was their age, I never even heard of, imagined. It was never spoken. We never heard of it. If you were born a man, you, you male, you were, would become a man. If you were born female, we never questioned it. It was just very simple to understand these things. But uh, church, I believe... This revival is going to sweep multitudes of children, multitudes of youth into the kingdom of God. We're going to see these young people, the weapons the enemy has formed against them. We're going to see those weapons will not prosper in the name of Jesus. And they're claiming Christianity as their faith. Hallelujah. I believe the enemy cannot stop this. So let me make this point. And and this is about high praise. Because I'm going somewhere with this. This is first of all a repentance revival. This is a repentance revival. Does America need to repent? Do you and I need to repent? Of course we do. Do the nations of the world need to repent? Of course they do. And so revival comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't gin it up. You can't shout it up. You can't dance it up. uh, You know, you can't act it up. It comes through a divine holy work of the Holy Spirit, a turning to God in humble contrition and submission and asking for his holy will. <clears throat> to me, it took great humility for this young man to confess to his fellow students, I tried to commit suicide. And I confess that and I repent of it and I ask forgiveness. But do you know, through his humility, everything changed. Second Chronicles 7, 14 through 16. This is the Amplified Classic. You know this scripture very well. 
in the Amplified. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Church, this is exactly what's happening. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord continues, verse 15, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer offered in this place. For I've chosen and sanctified, set apart for holy use this house, that my name may be here forever. And my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. Oh, church, this, this is such a key to what's going on. This is such a key to high praise. You're, you're going to understand this as I move along. Scripture tells us how very necessary humility is in the heart and life of a believer. Humility is defined in Proverbs 22.4, and it says, Proverbs 22.4, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Say this with me. Humility is the fear of the Lord. You know, it's good to let the Bible define itself. I can't come up with a better definition. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Now, when I looked up this word, humility, it says freedom from pride and self-importance. Now, we all have to work on pride. We all have to work on the fear of being less significant. And church, that's pride. Humility is submission to the divine will. Only the humble can submit to God. Humility is choosing to serve another. It is choosing to yield and surrender even when you don't want to. You may want to do something else. I thought I was returning to Kenya. I tell you, we had to wrestle with my will to get it divinely aligned for the present. 2023, the Lord and I wrestle. Guess what? He won. (laughs) Hallelujah. But humility is when you submit to the divine will. Yes. And there's no further argument. You choose to surrender and you're going to quit arguing about it. The arguments cease when you humbly surrender. But Lord this, but that... But I remember when you told me all those arguments, they cease and you surrender. Listen, this is very important. Biblical humility is grounded in the nature of God. 
Humility is not outside God. Humility is the nature of God. Jesus personified humility from his birth right through to his crucifixion on the cross. Jesus, Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8 in the New Living Translation Jesus surrendered. Listen to this. You must have the same attitude that Jesus, Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. When we allow God to teach us humility and we allow him to form within us his quality of an humble heart and we humble ourselves in obedience to him, we are being like Jesus. Hallelujah. So when I humble myself before God, I open my heart to him and confess anything that hinders my walk with him. Now listen, when I humble myself, I confess, Lord, I, I know I'm, I'm rebellious in this area. I'm self-willed in this area. I'm I can tell I'm resistant in this area. But when we humble ourselves and we confess that in all sincerity, Lord, I want to change. I want your Holy Spirit to work. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be mad at my husband every day. I don't want to be mad at my wife every day. I don't want to be a grumpy husband. You know, some wives dread it when the car pulls up in the late afternoon. Others rejoice. I know every wife in this room rejoices when that car pulls up and your husband walks in and says, Honey, I'm home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, all these things. Yeah, I'm seeing some people laugh out there. Yeah, some, I don't know if those are guilty expressions or what. But um, when we genuinely humble ourselves before God and we say, Lord, this must change. I submit to you. I confess this is a sin. I'm resisting you. I'm walking in the flesh. I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm not responding in the spirit. This, this is wrong. I confess it. When that happens and you're genuine, you're serious about it. A bonding takes place between your spirit and God's spirit. Between your heart and and God's heart, there is a bonding and a type of unity where you are bonded to his heart. Do you know his heart 
can be granted to you through humility. It's the only way you have the heart of the Father. Is when we humble ourselves to him. And in the position of humility, I never glory in myself. I say I, I mean we. In a position of genuine humility, with my heart bonded with the heart of God in this area now, that I've been resistant and I've been failing. I've been in the flesh, not in the spirit. I've manifested the, the works of the flesh and I've not manifested the works of the Spirit. All of you look innocent, but can any of you just imagine what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, if you can just help me out there and imagine it. Hallelujah. A bonding takes place where my heart is now bonded to his heart in that area of struggle. Because my heart is bonded now with his heart. Remember, we're supposed to be one with him. And when my heart is bonded with his heart, there's no doubt that um, in that position of humility, I'm strengthened and I'm enabled to respond in holy measures of the Holy Spirit. There are measures of grace granted. As I humble myself, repent, and am bonded with his heart. And I recognize whatever gifts the Lord gave me, whatever graces he has given me, listen church, he's given me grace To cause him to shine as the light of the world. People will notice the difference in you. People will know there's something different. Have you ever had anybody say to you, you know there's something different about you. I know you've had people say that to you. You're different. What's different about you? Hallelujah. And so... We recognize in that place of humility that whatever gifts we have, whatever graces, whatever abilities we have, the Lord has given us to cause him to shine in this world. Of myself, I can do nothing. Listen, humility does not make me weak. Repenting to another for something we've said or done does not make me weak. Humility is letting God deal with the weaknesses of my flesh, confessing them before the throne of heaven and saying, Lord, change me. You're the only one who can change me. I want my heart to be one with your heart. I want your heart To beat in my heart in this area of my life. Humility is heartfelt surrender to God. And church, it involves heartfelt surrender and submission to one another. Between husband and wife. 
between uh, employer and employee, between those in authority, in various areas of, of our lives, we are to walk in submission and humility. And do you know that what that prepares you for? Outpourings of the Holy Spirit. The work of God flowing in our lives. Humility is so powerful, it can start a revival. Humility is so powerful, it can, you know, it can start a revival that will go to the whole nation. Humility is so uh, powerful that it can start a revival that will go to the nations of the world. Humility is so powerful, it can start a revival that will bring in the end time harvest and usher in the coming of Jesus. But church, it's going to take humility. That place of surrender to God. Let me say also, so this is a revival of repentance. uh, And I could say humility and repentance. But this is also a singing revival. Every single clip or live stream that I've watched has had the most glorious singing. And it hasn't been the instruments, because sometimes there hasn't even been any instruments, or like I said, there might be a guitar and a piano. But since a sound system isn't very good, they don't even matter that much. It's the singing of the young people. Very simple, but the voices of these students have been lifted up in high praise. Everyone say high praise. high praise. The voices of the students, every time, every clip I've watched of what's been going on in the Hughes Auditorium has been clips with the simple singing that was so anointed in high praise. The songs have been wonderful. Uh, Began with the humble confession of sin. The students themselves are leading the singing. And do you know what? One clip, the students were singing a song. And the drummer and the, not the drummer, the pianist and the guitar player decided they wanted to sing another song. Do you know the students just ignored them and they kept on singing the song they had been singing. And finally the drummer, the pianist and the guitar player gave up and they went back to that song. This has been student led. I want you to know we're having a youth revival. This great end time revival is starting with the youth and the youth are carrying it. The last I heard, they lost count of the number of schools that have come and taken the revival back to their campus. They've lost count of the number of schools. I believe it's going to spread throughout the nation. Hallelujah. Church, there's no preacher. Like I said, no great sound system. As they often say on Flashpoint, no no, um, 
No fog machine and skinny jeans. (laughs) No fog machines, no skinny jeans. No, I think there have been some skinny jeans. But anyway, and so as I've watched this, this this is a singing revival. Danny, that's so important. It's a singing revival. And there's not been a great singer leading the singing. All unknown, there's students there at the Asbury College and Seminary. I saw a video where Carrie Job went, and they, she, uh, someone sitting in the car with her. She was driving slowly around the campus, and they were videoing. Carrie was, of course, I think she's wonderful, but she was driving the vehicle. But they never asked Carrie to come up and sing. This is not a revival that the well-known are leading. This is a revival of humility. Of hearts humbling themselves and confessing their sins. The altars have been full in that auditorium. What happens when we humble ourselves and and in genuine sincerity confess our sins? Our hearts are bonded with God's heart. And his heart comes into our heart as we open up our heart through humility and confession of sin. And in that area, he begins to pour out his spirit and move and work. I don't know what you might be captured in tonight or how you've tried to go free or what you've been struggling with. But I'm going to tell you, God is powerful when you humble yourself and say, God, I don't want this anymore. I'm asking you, I confess this, I'm asking you to come into my heart and work with your mighty power and set me free. You know, the prayer might be, set me free of unforgiveness. Set me free of anger. Set me free from depression. Set me free from griping and being upset every day. You know, it's hard to live with somebody that's upset every day. I like harmony. I like unity. I've had to deal with upsets in my life and and all of that. But I like peace. The older I get, the less dramatic I am. Can I hear an amen from somebody? (laughs) I want peace. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, there are things I, lots of things I don't watch or even get involved in. I've been through enough of that in my life, so to speak. You know, you get to be my age, you've had some experiences. I like peace. Yes. And so be quick to repent. Be quick to ask the Holy Spirit to work. And, and I'll tell you, God will, uh, 
do amazing things just like he's doing into this revival. Now let me get to where I want to go. Um, This is a singing revival. It's a high praise revival. Let me tell you, when you get into high praise, the captain of the Lord's host is present. High praise is so powerful. Often, we stay on the fringes of praise and worship because we're not in a position for God to take us into the high places in his spirit. So I want to make a point here. So much of true praise and worship has to do with ushering. Ushering. Yes, you heard me right. I'm not talking about our physical ushers, but just listen to me. What does ushering have to do with high praise or anything in the spirit? Listen to the definition of an usher. And this is reflected in the Hebrew as well as Webster's Dictionary. An usher is one who grants entrance. An usher is one who enables progress to be made. An usher is one who points out and calls your attention to a certain thing. An usher is an escort to lead and conduct. An usher precedes and introduces. An usher is one who makes introductions. Ushering involves hierarchy. Because we're a democracy, we don't so much understand hierarchy. But there is hierarchy. Now, I've lived in Kenya for decades, and we are a British colony. We're a British colony, and we are part of the Commonwealth. We love the Queen. We love Prince Charles, or King Charles now. I don't know when I'll quit calling him Prince Charles, but anyway, we understand and highly regard those in authority, whereas in America, mm, not so much. All men are created equal. That's true. Equal in the sight of God. But do you know all men do not have equal positions? Of responsibility. And so, years ago, all my notes are in Kenya. <laughs> but I was teaching on 1 Corinthians 14 too. I did a whole, of course, I did a whole series on this. And uh, 1 Corinthians 14 too, from the Amplified Bible, says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue 
does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands him or catches his meaning, but by the Spirit he speaks mysteries, secret truths, hidden things that we don't have access to. You don't have access to the mysteries unless the Holy Spirit, our usher, grants us access. The Holy Spirit ushers us into the mysteries. Now, y'all, that's a process. It takes humility. It takes a yearning and a heart's desire. To be one that God reveals the secret things or the mysteries to. They're available to all. But not all are ushered in to these things. There are mysteries I've not been ushered into yet. God's still teaching me and revealing things to me. He's still working on my heart and preparing me for more. We do not have access, for example, to the mysteries unless the Holy Spirit grants us access. But when we humble ourselves and pray, Second Chronicles chapter 7, when we humble ourselves and we pray and we're, we're in humility and we're allowing God to deal with our hearts, the Holy Spirit will assure us. According to the will of God. And he will. There, Church there are places in the spirit. That you have to be granted access to. You cannot take yourself there. There are dimensions of the spirit. You cannot take yourself there. You any more than you can save yourself? How many of you can save yourself and take yourself to heaven? See that, we're not capable of doing that. You are not capable of accessing the mysteries, the Holy Spirit. There are, here's what the Lord taught me. There are thresholds because there are rooms in the Spirit. There are dimensions of the Spirit. There are places in the Spirit and there are thresholds. That the Holy Spirit ushers you across and into a place in the Spirit. Church, that takes humility. That takes deep desire and yearning for more. Can anybody say amen? So the Holy Spirit is our usher, so to speak. And do you know, He's the one who ushers us in praise and worship, into the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit who takes us into places, high places in the Spirit. Someone say, Amen. Have you ever found yourself in a certain place in the Spirit and suddenly, just suddenly, your eyes are filled with tears? And tears are streaming down your face. And, uh, and and maybe you begin to be pray utterances and prayers out of your heart. You hadn't even thought about praying for that. It, it hadn't entered your mind. 
but the Holy Spirit is ushering you into places and granting you access. You begin interceding deeply and with great authority that you cannot access. It is granted to you because of an humble and contrite heart. God can trust you. You're not trying to exalt yourself. You're trying to exalt him. Your whole motive is to cause him to shine. Your whole motive is to exalt the name of Jesus. You are ushered into high praise or any place by the Holy Spirit. Any place in the Spirit, it's by the Holy Spirit. If you're in a place of outpouring, maybe the Lord's having you sing and dance. Maybe singing and dancing broke out on you. In your prayer time. Do you know the Holy Spirit took you there? If you're in a a place of shouting. I find myself there now. Publications is below me. So sometimes I shout at about this level. But I'm shouting on the inside. So I don't disturb the guys downstairs. But it's the Holy Spirit who gives you that shout. It's the Holy Spirit who gives you that utterance. And so it is that we have an usher living on the inside of us. We don't want to grieve the Spirit by fleshly attitudes, fleshly demonstrations, uh, Carnal, just living carnally. What does that do? It grieves the Holy Spirit. When his people fuss and fight. and All the works of the flesh are going on. You can't get into high praise or revival or outpouring. No. You seek a place of repentance and say, Lord, this, please deal with this. Please change me. Please work in this area of my heart and life. Psalm 100. Tell me, when do we dismiss? About 8.15, Pastor Phil? Approximately, okay. Okay. Psalm 100 is just filled with revelation about ushering us into the spirit. This is the modern English version. Modern English version. And it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter. Now, we're talking about being ushered. Being ushered into places in the spirit. 
enter his gates with thanksgiving. See, you can't fight all the way to church. It doesn't matter if you raise your hands and dance and wave before the Lord and you look so holy. See, it doesn't matter. We we have to humble ourselves and enter with thanksgiving. Examine your heart. Lord, is there any wicked way within me? Search my heart, Father. Try me. Try the reins of my heart. And if there is any wicked way in me, are you willing to do that, church? See, you can't have revival without it. You're not going to have outpourings without it. And oh, church, the Lord is depending on his church to carry this. He's depending on us. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of blaming. Get rid of accusing. Get rid of fault finding. Get rid of complaining. Are you with me, church? You can't carry revival with all that nonsense and turmoil going on on the inside. And let me tell you, it causes great insecurity when you live that way. You cannot be confident before God and have chaos and turmoil going on on the inside. But this says, so so examine your heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And there are places of praise and degrees of praise and degrees of accessing the presence of God that only the humble have access to. Heart attitude, whether it's Thanksgiving praise. Do you know Thanksgiving? It means to rejoice. I didn't have time to unfold all of this tonight. But do you know Thanksgiving primarily means two things, to rejoice and confess. Are there things we need to confess? Church, are there things we need to make right with one another or in our homes or maybe maybe it's difficult at your workplace? I understand that. But as far as you're concerned, you cannot carry grudges, blaming, and accusations. And really, that form, those are the ingredients of bitterness. You get roots of bitterness in your heart. And I'm telling you, they diagnose it as personality disorders. But if, if you'll do what, we're, we're, you know, they diagnose it, I don't know, is name some diagnosis. Schizophrenia or, what did you say? That was the one I was trying to think of. Bipolar. I'm I'm bipolar, I've heard people say. You know, I think if you practice this, it, it just, 
and, and you begin to practice every, every day, I say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be gr- glad in it. And you know, you've got that attitude. Satan, you can't steal my joy. I will rejoice. I will be glad. Hallelujah. It's, a, it's an act of your will. Now, you may have to clean out your heart before you get there. And you can say that and, and really know that you mean it. But uh, I, I think that, Vic, I think that would take care of a whole lot of personality disorders. You know what I'm saying? Just clean your heart out and practice every day. I will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Every day, every day, in the face of this and that and the other, I will rejoice in the Lord. This is how you guard your heart. Listen, all of us can be in strife several times a day. If we choose to be in strife several times a day. But no, we've made the decision, we will rejoice in the Lord. And again I say... Rejoice. Hallelujah. Be thankful. You get a bad report. Something happens. You take time and over that negative situation, you just saturate that with thanksgiving. You dance before the Lord and thank the Lord. Read Psalm 100 to the devil. Hallelujah. Do you know you can have your own revival in your own house? Hallelujah. Church, I tell you, we can carry such a spirit that everywhere we go, things start being revived and people start being revived. Hallelujah. We're supposed to carry revival. But you know what? We're going to have to... Do what they did at Asbury and humble ourselves. And if there's any mess, clean up that mess and begin to put the word to work in our lives. Hallelujah. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This is the strength of your life. This is the strength of your life. Be thankful to him. But this happened, Pastor Carlin. That happened. And I'm dealing with this and I'm dealing with that. That does not change the word. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For, everyone say it with me. The Lord is good. And... His mercies endure forever and His faithfulness to all generations. I rejoice because I know the Lord's faithful. I'm thankful every day because I understand He is with me. He is at work in me. He is working for me. He's causing breakthrough after breakthrough to come to pass. Hallelujah. 
So we are ushered into a place of divine life, of abundant life, through the power of the Holy Spirit and understanding that we live in these words. These are not just words. These are God's words, and we live in them, and they live in us. I like the message. Psalm 100 in the message is so good. On your feet now. Do you have it up there? Yes. You're really good back there. Thank you. (laughs) On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing to yourselves in his presence. I do that. Now, I don't sing publicly. Carmen has a good voice. She could sing publicly. (laughs) But I'm not a public singer. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. Do you hear that? Sing yourselves into his presence. Sing yourselves into his presence. What is that? That's entering into high praise. Sing yourselves into his presence. Know this. God is God. And God, God. Church, think about that one. It makes sense, but you've got to think about it. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. Enter with the password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home. Talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty All generous in love, loyal always and ever. Hallelujah. And then, let me see. I think I will skip that scripture. Let let me end with Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. Because this has to do with the presence of God. Church, when you're in high praise, you have accessed the presence. You have accessed the presence of God. Hallelujah. It says in Isaiah 6, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. For I am undone or destroyed. 
because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged or atoned for. And here we see Isaiah in the presence of the Lord. And what what position did Isaiah take? Now he's, the Lord is anointing him to be a prophet. A great, I mean Isaiah, what a man of God. But what was Isaiah's position before the Lord? Humility. Humility, church. Not thinking highly of himself. But he's saying, Lord, here I am. I present myself to you. Isaiah had such a sense that he wasn't worthy of what the Lord wanted him to do. But do you know, the Lord lifted him up because of his humility. He said, Lord, in his repentance, he said, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, a prophet cannot afford to be a man of unclean lips. Actually, no one can afford... To be a person of unclean lips. You want to talk about going into the high places? You have to have iniquity cleansed from your mouth. Hallelujah. So, church, we make a choice to humble ourselves. To let our heart be bonded with God's heart. And we receive our deliverance whenever we receive his heart in a situation toward another person, whatever the circumstance might be that we've had an unyielded, unsubmitted heart. We allow him and welcome him to work. And he begins to root out old things. He begins to root out issues that have plagued his people, maybe for decades. He begins to root out issues that may have come through your bloodline for generations. Yeah, and it's just passed down from father and mother to children, and they have that issue, and then it's passed down to their children. Do you know God can root that out of your heart? And you can become like a man or a woman. And people say, you know, there's something different about you. And it's because your heart has become bonded to God's heart. And you know, church, let me sum this up by saying that is what it takes to live. Not only go to high places occasionally, but live in high places. You're not living like the world lives. 
You don't think like the world thinks. You don't act or react like the world acts. Church, we're not of this world. But it takes a world, a work of God through humility to deliver us from the way the world acts. Can you say amen? Did any of this make sense tonight? Father, in the name of Jesus, I know I speak for everyone within the sound of my voice. That we want the high places. We want to ascend from where we are and come into your presence, Lord. And become a presence carrier. That wherever we go, whoever we're dealing with, whatever the situation is, we carry the presence of God. Your heart has been formed in our heart. Father, I pray that for everyone here tonight. Everyone listening online. We humble ourselves before you and we ask you, do a new thing in us. We want more of you than we currently are walking in. We want more of your spirit to be poured out. Father, we want to be part of this revival. I believe you're going to take it to the whole world. Prepare us for revival, dear Lord. Work in our hearts that we would be presence carriers. We want the presence of God. We want the love of God formed in our hearts. We want the kingdom of God formed in our hearts. Father, do a new thing in us. And we'll be so careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord, Pastor Phil.